TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is a naturopath, nutritionist, a yin yoga teacher, a body image movement ambassador, and a poo whisperer. She's the queen of constipation, the goddess of gut health, and the purveyor of poo tea. That's right. We're talking about all things bowel motions today. Yep, we're going there. And this is the perfect person to do it with. Please welcome to Shiny Healthy You, the wonderful Linda Gripperich. Woohoo! Hi, Jules. I love that intro. I think I'm going to steal it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you liked it. And yes, you can borrow it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. I thought you would be the perfect person to talk about all this stuff with um, because with over 15 years in the health industry, you're just really, really drawn to the topic of poo, aren't you? Absolutely. Like probably most naturopaths, but I certainly am drawn to the topic of poo, that's for sure. Now, how did that come about? (laughs) Well, for a couple of reasons. I've had a good think about this. Where did the obsession and fetish for poo come along? Um, In my previous role, I would travel quite a bit. And so uh, during my travel, I would, would be constipated myself, particularly in that first couple of days. And it really used to baffle me because my diet was clean, you know, um, as, you know, as clean as you can get it um, most of the time. And, you know, I'd move the body, I'd have exercise in my life, but yet I'd still come across these constipation issues. Um, and also, you know, so I would try all these things in the way of, you know, improving the food that I was eating at that time or, you know, movement or using herbs and spices just to get it going. The other reason as well that I'm a bit obsessed with, um, I guess, constipation is that the more I started, when I got back into practice again following that role, I just realized how big of a problem it was. And, you know, there was a lot of shame around it as well, where people would just, it would take a few consultations for people to get really honest with how regular they were. And, um, you know, me, I can be a bit awkward. I can be a bit, you know, um, a bit of a dork. And so I don't mind talking about these things and shedding light on it and taking the shame and the, you know, the embarrassment out of it. So I kind of thought, who better than than myself to to make a thing of poo and just you know get people talking about it and get people honest about how regular they are and more importantly what we all do as naturopaths um, I'm sure you'd agree is that we do a lot of education and so once people become really aware of why it's important to move the bowels they then are there more likely to take the suggestions that you give them, you know, so they then take action and, you know, they become a bit more body aware for themselves. Yeah, and it's a funny thing that you talk about the shame because, like, we all poo. We all do. Exactly. Guaranteed. We all do this, people. So why do people struggle so much to talk about it? Yeah, and you know what? I've had a a bit of a think about this as well because it's ridiculous. It's part of our body manufacturing. We do it. Well, we try to do it every day and it's part of us, something that we do. But there is a lot of shame around it. And I guess because probably for a number of reasons, I don't know for sure, but I guess for me personally, 
having that background of being a naturopath and nutritionist, I had the shame around, well, I should have this in the bag and my bowel movements should be regular. So that for me was something very personal. But I guess it is a very private thing that people do. You don't do it in public. You know, it is hidden. Um, and I'm sure people w- would be quite mortified if they did have did have to go and do another two in front of people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, maybe some pe- people consider it to be a bit of a dirty thing and um, maybe they feel as though that they're alone with um, constipation. And I guess what makes me believe that even more so is that there's so many people out there just self-medicating um, with things like laxatives rather than seeking support because of this big problem, yet a lot of people feel as though they are alone with constipation and poor bowel movements. Yeah, and Mm. I I do want to talk to you about laxatives further along in this interview as well because I see it a lot, especially in young women. It's just it's rife and they don't know what they're doing. So we'll stick around, people, because we will be definitely talking about that shortly. Um, But first of all, I'd, I'd love for you to just take us through what would normal look like in the world of bowel motions? Because I don't even know, if people aren't talking about it, I don't even know if people know what normal is. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, there is no normal. There's only really averages. You know, many studies sort of show that people can go anywhere between three times a day or three times a week. But how I would like to see people move their bowels is daily. And that's Normal, I would say, would be in a perfect world, people are moving their bowels daily, it feels complete, there's no straining, you know, there's no food particles in there or mucus, you know, it sinks kind of slowly, um, you know, so those are the main things and it's a, a medium brown sort of colour. But daily is the thing that I try to get people to shoot for. Do you show people that Bristol stool chart? Oh, absolutely. But you know what I love even more? Do you know the uh, Practical Paleo book by Diane Sanfilippo? I haven't read it. She has got, um, it's a poop chart, and it's more of a comical way to look at the different types of poo. And, you know, if you have, say, for example, pebble poos, what can that mean? You know, she calls a poo... Um, you know, the rocky poo or the, you know, muscly poo. And it's just a bit more of a comical way to look at it. So it's quite fun. She's got a PDF download. You should check it out. <laughs> I'm going to totally look that up. It actually sounds better than the, the Bristol stool chart for those of you playing along at home is just like a, it's got some pictures, hasn't it? Like some little diagrams and then it takes you through the different colors as well. So yeah. 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 And the, and it's all very serious, you know, the Bristol stool chart, yes, you know, there's all. seven different types and, you know, but yeah. let's, have fun with it you know let's shed a bit of light and not make it so serious I think yeah I like that I'm going to check that out so it's called practical paleo is it yeah yeah it's and she's got a uh, a couple of downloads in there but that's that's a really great one awesome 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 so if it varies so much how do we know if everything's okay or not yeah, good question. So again, you want to be looking out for change. You want to be looking out for, you know, texture as well. So is it medium brown in color? Does it slide out easier or are you straining? Is there food particles in there? Um, you know, as I mentioned before. So I guess what you want to look out for, people know when they're straining. 
You know, people know when they're having pebble poos. People know when it's, you know, has food particles in there. Well, I guess when they start to work with a naturopath like you and I, (laughs) they start to get a bit more familiar with their bowel movements because a lot of people don't look. But, you know, and I don't don't, um, believe people should get really, um, I guess, too in tune with it, but you could just have a look every so often. But you want to be noticing, you know, the changes to consistency, colour, texture and also how you're feeling are you straining is there blood all that sort of stuff Um, just start to get really familiar with what's coming out and how regularly you're doing that because some people may not be aware that they're not moving their bowels every day I actually had a friend of mine who said well I really don't know why I need to go so therefore she was really not aware of how often she was going yeah you know so you've just got to really break it down and, you know, go back to the real basics of any change in colour and consistency and smell and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and rule number one, you do have to look. Like I was absolutely shocked at how many people don't ever turn around and have a little look, especially blokes, Linda. It's blokes. It's the husband. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, I guess, you know, mothers are always looking at their children's poo and if something looks a bit off, they're going to investigate that, right? I mean, I don't have children, but I I would assume if if my child was producing green sloppy poos or I could see food particles in there, I would start to go, well, what's going on, you know? Yeah, or if Um, you see the baby straining, then they they go and talk to a, a medical practitioner about it every time. Absolutely, yeah. Yep, and it's funny, you know, because like in the animal kingdom, it's a really natural thing to do. Like I've got animals, I've, I've got dogs and I've had cats and they will all turn around and have a little sniff and have a little look. Do they? Yes, <laughs> they do. So it's like it's almost like I dare I say an instinct that we've lost because we've yes. become a bit too civilised. Absolutely. We need to be liberated. Who liberated? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to know. Did, did cavemen look at their poos? Anyone out there, if you know, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All you primal people out there, you know, drop me a line. Let me know. Did we look? Yeah. Out, did we look? And and dare I say, did cavemen turn around and have a little sniff? Did they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they and you know, like, it's something really simple we can do, Jules, to to really kind of go. Well, what's going on? In you know, it can alert us to something a bit more sinister going on. You know, it's almost it is part of that manufacturing process, as I mentioned before. So it's really important to to have a look because. What we're getting rid of when we do poo is that we're getting rid of, you know, that indigestible fibre, we're getting rid of, you know, that metabolic waste, hormone byproducts and those substances that our body just needs to get rid of and um, bacteria. So it's important for us to go. But when, you know, um, there is gut dysbiosis or parasite present or, you know, other stuff, that's coming out in the in the stool or just maybe you're not going frequently then that's should alert you to okay well what else is going on underneath what uh, what's driving this you know what do I need to focus my attention on so I kind of feel like it's a bit of a window to our health our overall health so let's talk nuts and bolts for a minute mate what causes constipation there are so many drivers but I guess um and I won't run through them all, but of course, diet's a big part. You know, 
If people aren't getting enough fiber in their diet, which is a really obvious one, water intake is really important as well um, because dehydrated poops just aren't eliminated well from the body. They tend to harden and they become harder to evacuate and move um, from the intestinal, from the intestines. It makes it harder for the intestines and that peristaltic action to move the poo. And things like stress can certainly affect constipation, things like anemia as well. So if your body is low in iron, sometimes that a toxic, a, a uh, tired body just doesn't eliminate well certain medications. So things like antidepressants, you know, pain relievers, high blood pressure tablets can affect constipation, uh, organ dysfunction as well. So sometimes, you know, um, an underactive thyroid or a compromised adrenal glands, um, those things. There are so many. Uh, men menstruation as well, that's a very common one. And people always say, we'll always get constipated just before my period. And that is because there's a phase called the luteal phase. And this phase is just after ovulation, just before we bleed. And that's when progesterone is at its highest. The hormone progesterone is at its highest. And what progesterone does in its, in the body is it's a bit of a muscle relaxant. So things start to slow down and that includes that peristaltic action, that movement of the intestines that just move poop through the colon. So that slows down and those sort of things start to normalize just before we bleed um, when progesterone levels start to drop. So you know, there are so many drivers and it's very different for everyone. For me personally, stress is a big one and, you know, uh, routine is a big one as well. So movement's really important as well. Your body likes movement, doesn't like to be stagnant or sitting down the entire day, you know. And is that what was happening with you with the travel? Um, was it the lack of movement or was it the lack of routine or the stress? Oh, you know what? It could be a combination of things. So. And with my previous role, it wasn't necessarily that I'd always be on planes. I would be sitting in a car and maybe going to Canberra for three to four hours. So I'd be, you know, stationary for a while. But certainly my role, I was looking after a team of reps as well. So um, there was an element of stress there. I'm also taken out of my normal environment. So the normal fibrous diet that I had with lots of plant vegetables was reduced because it was out of my control. I would have to buy food or have hotel food. Um, and also, you know, even though I would always incorporate movement in my day, there'd be lots of sitting in the car, you know, with the other team members. So there was a lot of sedentary sedentary lifestyle going on at that time as well. So I guess diet definitely, like stress, absolutely, and movement was a big thing for me. But again, it's so different for everyone. So so many drivers to constipation. It's like a big rabbit hole. Yeah, and it might not just be one thing. That's the thing. I think a lot of people sometimes when anything goes wrong in the body, they look for one cause. And yes. the, the wonderful thing about naturopaths is we never settle for just one cause. We keep looking at all the different drivers that might be contributing to something. Totally. Look, if it, if it was that simple, you know, wouldn't we as practitioners have it in the bag? I mean, we are not immune to it. You know, I, I consider my diet to be relatively clean and healthy and, and I do get movement in my life, but yet, you know, stress can really affect my digestive function. So it's not just that one area of our life. There are so many different facets and it's very, very different for everyone. I guess the main thing about um, alerting people to um, 
why constipation should be looked at is to so that people don't suffer alone and that they know that there is support and that yes, certain areas of their life may need to be looked at in order to get things moving again so they can remove toxins and waste properly from their body. So if someone's out there constipated, what happens to their body? Like what's going on inside of them when things aren't moving through fast enough? Yeah. Okay. So the the two key words that I want people to think about is inflammation and toxicity. So what happens is that when we're not removing poop from our body, we're not removing those um, metabolic wastes and those, you know, food wastes and hormone byproducts, we're recycling all those things. And those things can lead to essentially self-poisoning. It can lead to a um, bacterial overgrowth in the gut. It can lead to gut inflammation and it can also weaken the gut lining and integrity so that can lead to something called leaky gut which you know people have probably heard about out there and so with leaky gut essentially you know those toxins pass through into the bloodstream the immune system freaks out then it causes this inflammatory cascade I guess and that inflammation and that toxicity that's circulating in our body goes on to affect the health of our organs and so all sorts of things can be compromised and I guess on a level that people can really understand some sort of you know your chronic sort of inflammatory um consequences could look like you know acne um in fact 54 percent of people that have acne have gut dysbiosis so there's a massive gut link then you can look at autoimmune conditions your thyroid could be the health of your thyroid can be affected because our thyroid is very sensitive to toxicity but it's also um it reduces the um the amount that of those thyroid hormones that are available to our body so it can really affect the health of our thyroid it can lead to things like weight gain as well because it can affect the thyroid but it can also affect our production of um leptin or you know so and leptin is that hormone that helps us feel full it can also lead to things like insulin resistance so again those things tying to probably an unhealthy weight um on a you know then it can lead to uh, you know, toxic bodies are tired body, so you'll often find, you know, exhaustion happening. Um, you know, I could go on. There's so many consequences for a body that that come from a body that is, I guess, you know, where there is auto intoxication because your body doesn't repair well, and it doesn't sort of it it's there's inflammation that compromises all of our organs, and in fact. A body that just doesn't eliminate toxins well and that's constipated burdens those other elimination organs like the skin and the liver and the gallbladder because they so they start to work overtime and their health is compromised. Does that make sense or have I just kind of thrown everything in the bag there? I think we've managed <laughs> to scare the pants off everyone quite, quite substantially. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I get, well, you know, people, again, people need to understand this is not a fear thing at all. There no, is so much no. you can do, so much that you can do. There is so much you can do. And uh, what role does stress relief play in all of this? Because I I think getting down the stress levels is a really good way to to get things moving as well. Oh, absolutely. And um, I'm going to really simplify it Um, so it doesn't sound really complicated at all, but there is a thing called the gut-brain access. And so our gut communicates with our brain and and 
it communicates through the vagus nerve. So that runs from the brain through to the gut. And the gut is capable of producing things, new, certain neurotransmitters like serotonin, you know, that hormone that sort of affects our mood. But serotonin is also really um, one thing that people may not be aware of with serotonin is that, that it really helps to support that peristaltic action. So digestion in the sense that it helps to um, promote that muscular contraction that allows the poop to, to push on through the intestines comfortably. Um, so I guess what happens with stress when we get into that fight or flight mode and we're producing those hormones that want us to flee, the blood is diverted from things like our, di our digestive system and it goes into our extremities so we can flee that situation. But that's not amazing for the digestive system because obviously things start to slow down. Our, you know, It can lead to things like constipation, that peristaltic action slows down, but also our nutrient absorption slows down as well because digestion is not considered to be you know, needed for immediate survival. So therefore the blood moves away from there and um totally lost my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> but i hope that made sense you know yeah. so because it does take a lot of energy to run the digestive system so it moves away so if our body's constantly in that fight or flight mode we're producing lots of cortisol and adrenaline and all that sort of stuff we're not moving the blood and the oxygen you know throughout our digestive system to, in order for it to work optimally yeah, and that's it's not just digestion that happens in fight or flight as well that gets shut down. It's anything that the, the body kind of deems to be non-essential, isn't it? Uh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. why like when people are stressed, they go, oh, well, I wasn't hungry today. It's like, yeah, because your body just shut down that whole I need to eat mechanism. And that's why sometimes our, our female hormones go out to lunch as well, because they're deemed totally. to be less essential. So, you know, we do so much work on this show around fight or flight and the adrenals. It's not even funny. It's not even Oh, funny. absolutely. And not only that, I mean, outside of that whole mechanic um, thing that goes on, people tend to make unhealthy choices when they're stressed. You know, so it affects our diet. And, you know, we tend to hold on to stuff literally. So we hold on to our poop and our breath becomes labored as well. So it might become a bit short and choppy. And, you know, so therefore oxygen, you know, doesn't move through that digestive system as we would like for it to, in order for it to work well. So there's, you know, it's so multifaceted when it comes to stress, but it certainly does affect the health of the gut. And you know, the other thing that I've seen a lot of in practice lately is that when people are stressed and they're in that fight or flight, they tend to reach for the coffee and the coffee actually makes them go to the toilet. And when I talk to them about cutting down the coffee or in, you know, in cases where people have got, you know, um, you know, stage three adrenal fatigue or whatever, and I say, look, I think we need to give up the coffee for a bit, they come back with, I need it in order to be able to poo. Yes. What do we do with those people, Linda? <laughs> yes, I know. I hear what you're saying. There's so many people that um, have that that um, comment. What I will say, long-term coffee can be dehydrating. So aside from, I mean, you're all over the adrenal health aspect of it, but coffee can be dehydrating. So that in itself leads to a hard, compact stool that is hard to eliminate. So, yeah, why you might get that, you know, awesome um you might feel a bit stimulated and therefore go to the loo. Think about long-term dehydration. Think about how that affects your adrenals. You know, um, I feel like it's a bit of a band-aid treatment for a lot of people, and it's not really addressing. 
the you know a lot of the drivers that cause constipation. But yeah, no, I hear you. I get that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some better ways for us to get things moving again? We we've talked about stress relief. Um, we've touched upon movement. What else can we do? Uh, so as I mentioned, diet is huge, but I probably don't want to go into that too much because it's such an obvious one, you know, things, well, I will actually, because it's outside of fiber, outside of water, things that help to really promote the production of, um, stomach acid. So therefore you're just breaking down foods better are things like, you know, your apple cider vinegar, um, the benefit of apple cider vinegar too, is it just helps to really neutralize that, um, the acidity that often toxins um, produce um, outside of that bitter foods as well. So things like endive and and kale and you know dandelion greens and um, rocket. rocket, yeah, mm-hmm. rocket, excellent, rocket. very exactly. And and you know outside of that as well is is what, what I like to um, term meal hygiene, like getting people to really sit down and be mindful with the way that they eat. When I'm stressed, I hoover down my food. You know, like there's, you know, I'm not going to eat for two days. And it's really important that we do chew properly and that we just remove ourselves away from technology while we are eating. So I think meal hygiene is important. Um, healthy fats is really important as well. So just ensuring that we are getting enough um, healthy fats in our diet. And, and by that I mean things like, you know, avocado, you know, olive oil is awesome. And the benefit of olive oil is that it's quite antibacterial as well. So when we're constipated, we might be producing a bit of bacteria and um, bacterial overgrowth in the gut. So it really helps to support that too. But it really helps to improve the health of our intestine. So other things like ghee, ghee is excellent as a bit of a mild laxative and good fat to cook with. Um, macadamia oil, I just love my fats. Um, <laughs> but other things that people may not be so familiar with are things like, again, uh, we spoke about movement. So what that may look to people might be very different, but I would just encourage people to not sit all day, you know, and and not necessarily stand all day either. Just have lots of movement throughout the day. I tend to break up my day with sitting and standing and, you know, change the energy state in your body, but your body just really likes um, movement. Your digestive system likes movement too. In that, um, I love yoga and, you know, I'm a massive fan of yin yoga, but all forms of yoga are fantastic because, but I will focus on yin yoga here because we are holding the postures for longer and you might be doing about, you know, what, six postures in a class. Class may run for about an hour. And for me, there are a number of reasons why something like yin could be really supportive to someone's digestion and also stress. And as we know, that affects the gut. So yin can uh, support the body on a physical level obviously so it really helps to um, nourish certain organs so organs of digestion the large intestine spleen stomach you know organs of elimination the liver but with that it um, these particular organs um, carry emotion too so if you kind of follow any of the Chinese medicine sort of stuff um, you know for example the large intestine, when we're working on the large intestine, working on our ability to express well and deal with grief and loss, um, 
outside of, you know, improving the physicality of that particular organ. And for example, if you work, if you sit in a posture that supports the gallbladder, you might be working on frustration, um, liver, you might be working on things like, you know, anger, but you're also supporting the elimination organs. And a massive plus for me, um, with yin is that sometimes I really struggle with, um, meditation and sitting in stillness. So yin for me is the, busy-minded person's meditation because you just, you yeah. know, you're, you're almost functional. You're sitting in a posture and the only way that you're going to stay in it is that if you focus on the breath and by focusing on the breath, you still the mind. So I kind of feel like there's just so many pluses to something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like meditation for type A oh, personalities. <laughs> totally. It totally is because when you, and you probably experience this too. Uh, yes. <laughs> With meditation, you, often you, um, it depends depends on the person that you're working with, patient-wise, but you often need to broach that topic a few consults in because people aren't ready to go there or they find it too hard. So I feel like it's the, something like movement or yin is a bit of an entry level into something like meditation if they really struggle with it. So, um, But um, movement also, um, abdominal exercises as anything that works the core as well as the spine is really supportive to bow tone and um so whatever that looks like for you it could be dancing it could be as you do you know your volleyball yes. um, so there's lots of core movement there um <laughs> and lots of jumping around too <laughs> oh, completely absolutely so that would be perfect um yeah so those are the things laughing sounds ridiculous but laughing and breathing it, it kind of tells the body that we're safe you know and as we saw stress really affects our bowel movements um squatting so squatting as well when we when we do um actually go and do a number two we can use those stools like squatty potties or just you know use um uh, some sort of platform underneath the stool to give you a better angle for elimination um it's better than sitting actually so um yeah. yeah, those are the main ones. There are so many. I mean, you could go down the route of um, probiotics and prebiotics and all that sort of stuff, but essentially, you know, that all comes down to, to food. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. so much more than fibre, so much more than God, fibre. Absolutely. And then there's another, you know, if you get down the route of parasites and pathogens, I mean, that can affect um, your bowel on both levels, constipation or diarrhea. So you'd kind of want to do a bit of investigative work to see if you've got anything going on there and do you need to remove anything. And, um, you know, because as you know, things, those things, removal of parasites is a process. And so, you know, often you do need to work with a practitioner in order to remove them properly, remove their biofilms, re remove the recurrence of them. And so, you know, you could be eating a, a great diet and have movement but still something's not quite right with your digestion and so those are another that's another area that you might want to look at yeah and and also i find that i often take people off a couple of simple uh foods like gluten and dairy and things just start moving again too oh totally and i'm glad you mentioned that actually because gluten's read your article and kudos to you that's uh, i just love the way you write by the way if you haven't <laughs> this, uh, gluten uh, article go and read it it is so true we don't say get off the gluten as practitioners because we want to punish people there is good reason and especially when it comes to gut health because the you know 
gliadin, which is the protein um, that's found in things like wheat, tend to produce zonulin. And to make this really simple, zonulin affects the integrity and the strength of our gut lining. So again, it causes things like leaky gut, but it also affects those microvilli that kind of line the intestines, which affect our absorption of nutrients. So so many reasons to get off those inflammatory foods like gluten when there's gut disturbance going on. You're not doing yourself any favor at all. Yay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love that you said it so perfectly. We, of course, even as practitioners, we want to have a croissant. We would love to sit down to, for me, especially toasted cheese on, on you know, when I came oh. home from school. Yeah, and cheese on toast was just the bomb. I I grew up on all kinds of tasty things that I can no longer eat, and it it makes me so angry when people say that if you're not celiac and you're being gluten-free, you're doing it to either get attention or because it's fashionable. It's like, I don't want attention. I actually really want a croissant, but I'm just not going to have it. Uh, We just know, you just know too much. Once you know, you just go, okay, you know what, I can have this piece of bread or whatever it might be every so often, but it's not going to be a staple in my diet. It's just it's just not worth my digestive system function or my mental health. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> now, serious topic, talk to me about those T-Tox slimming teas, please, because I, I, I did mention earlier that I want to touch on laxatives. And yes. So let, let's chat about laxatives and let's chat about those teas. You know the ones. Yes. You probably um, are familiar, familiar with a lot more than I am of those slimming teas. But, uh, yeah, but they are a bit dangerous. Those um, laxatives in general, and we're talking about the, you know, the pharmacy type that you just self-prescribe in a pill sort of form um, because obviously, you know, food can be laxative, gentle laxatives too. So we're not talking about those. We're talking about those laxatives you pop as a pill. So those things can lead to so many things in the body. So to bring it back down to some key points, laxatives over a period of time can can lead to dependency. So you're going to need more in order to get the job done. Your bowels can become lazy. Um, it can long term as well on a bit more of a severe note, it can affect your other organs. So, you know, your kidneys, it can also lead to, um, it, it leads to severe de- dehydration, which can cause, affect the health of your heart. It can affect the health of your colon. It can lead to electrolyte imbalance in the body, again, affecting the health of your heart. Um, there are so many reasons to, to not stay on the laxatives and make it, you know, something that you do take regularly, if at all. Um, yeah. Did I answer that one for yeah. you? And I, I, I see two types of people most commonly. And, and you know, before I was doing sort of consultations and whatnot, um, back when I was studying, I was working in health food retail and I saw two types of people come in for those laxatives, the Senna sort of based, you know, uh, irritation sort of laxatives. And they were young women and elderly people. Yes. Yeah. And it was the, the young women were the ones that I was worried about the most because if you make your bowel lazy at that age, like what is there left for you? That's a long road back to retrain that bowel and get it moving again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But you open yourself up to infection as well. So it doesn't just stop at the gut, you know. You're affecting the health of your heart and that's huge, you know. Um, 
And on an energetic level, the heart, this is when I get a bit woo-woo, the heart is like the, the center of spirit to it. So it's the connection to self, you know. Um, so why would you want to be affecting something like that? <laughs> and I, some of those some of those teas that are out there, and, and we'll talk about your tea in a minute because the, the wonderful thing about your tea is it's not like those. Um, no. Some of those teas that are out there that are, being pitched as being slimming or or detoxifying uh, and they're encouraging people to have them every day for a really you know large number of days and they're just like this massive bowel cleanse yes but it's this laxative stuff if you if you keep having these teas week in week out then you're actually messing up your peristalsis for the future and then you're going to have to keep taking these teas and and totally I, and I think people have you know they take the tea and then they go and have a giant poo and then they yeah. go oh look I've lost two kilos it's like no hang on you've just lost the contents of your bowel you haven't actually lost fat sister yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the the problem is people go well it's a tea how bad can it be but you know certain certain herbs are as potent as some of these other you know, medications, you know, so you really want to be looking out for those things. I'll tell you a story quickly. I was uh, working in a health food shop in East St Kilda um, in Melbourne and we had a lot of people who used to come in and buy this Senna tea and we used to pack it ourselves. Like they used to buy the Senna pods in bulk um, and then we used to pack it out the back into little bags and people used to come in weekly and buy these bags of Senna tea. Mm. These were the older people, you know, the, the, the ones who kind of lost their bowel tone. And yes, I remember the days I was working in a health food store. I remember. <laughs> and I used to do my head in. I'd see them come in week in, week out to get their Senna tea and they thought it was natural and safe because it's just a plant, it's just a herbal tea. And then one month we had a big Senna shortage, the big bulk <laughs> batch of Senna that was meant to come in from overseas. Yes. You know, we'd get like these <laughs> 10 kilo bags in and one month there was a big Senna shortage. And all these people would come out, shouldn't laugh, it's terrible, but they were all coming in for their Senna tea and we were turning them away and they would literally get angry. Like, yes. you know how you were talking about how it affects emotions and they would get so angry with us and they'd be like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, um, <laughs> yes. <don't> no. <laughs> Look at these other areas that may need tending to. <laughs> Yeah. Oh dear. Oh. Dear. See again, dependency. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. And scary it, thing. <laughs> and it was to the point where I was like, "How long have you been on this tea for?" Oh, you know, ten years, twenty years. It's like I, I literally don't know what to say to you because I don't know if we can get you back from there. Like, I don't know yeah. if we can retrain your bowel now. I think it may have been too long. Um. So yeah, I'd, I'd literally stand there and go, "I don't know what to say to you. I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, if people start to try, if they've been on laxatives for a while, and still, you give yourself some time to make the necessary changes to see if you can make an improvement in this area. Like, don't expect it to come back overnight if you implement these things. You know, these any sort of um, change in your like any health protocol takes a bit of time you know you do need to stick to it you do need to be a bit consistent and persistent with it so yeah yeah, good yeah, point. yeah it good is scary point. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about your tea because it's not like those other ones 
Yeah, hopefully you received it and have tried yes, it. Yes, 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 I've got it here. Yes. Excellent. I love it. I'm addicted. It's um so no, it's not, it doesn't create dependency. And I kind of felt like there was a bit of a gap out there and I wanted to just develop a tea that was gonna be supportive for digest digest I can't say the word, digestive function full <laughs> stop. And so it's got four organic herbs in there. It's got, you know, a mixture of licorice, ginger, cayenne, and aniseed and um they have so many properties, but the reasons why I love them is that some act as a mild laxative like licorice. And then you've got, um, you know, things like aniseed, which are antiparasitic as well, which is fantastic. Um, they're really quite good for, and cayenne is quite stimulating as well. So it really does help to promote those bowel movements. Tastes amazing. Um, again, as I said, it doesn't, it doesn't, cause dependency which is why I like it so much and it, you know people are really starting to notice that the health of their skin as well which is very exciting is improving but I put that down to once you start to move the bowels and you start to move the stuff out of your body that's compromising that gut brain skin access then naturally your skin is going to clear it's going to be loved up even more you know so it just comes back down to that whole bowel working on the bowel first what's going on there yeah it's such a huge 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 thing that we need to look after thank Definitely. you thank you so much for guiding us through all of that today linda that was awesome i've, I've i love a good poo chat as oh, to do i think i'm so glad to share it with you <laughs> <laughs> can you please uh just let our listeners out there know where they can find you and and where they can find your tea as well because it's called better me tea isn't it Yes, and I tell this story all the time, but um, I was going to call it bowel movements tea. And then, you know, Guy, my partner, was like, you cannot call it that. People are not going to walk up to the counter with something that says bowel movements tea. So it's called Better Me Tea, and it's an actual play on BM, so bowel movement. Um, it, you can find it online on my website, just lindagriprich.com, or, and I'm just – you can find me on all those social media outlets, mainly the, the platforms that I use are Facebook and Instagram, and it's just Linda Griffith. So easy to find. Um, you can also find Better Me um, through Nourish Life, um, which is exciting. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love seeing good products get out there on the market. I really do. It's so exciting. Thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. That that really was so much fun and um, I look forward to getting you on the show again soon. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Jules. I had fun. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Are you feeling liberated after that poo chat with Linda Griparich? If you enjoyed this episode, stop what you're doing and subscribe right now. Then you'll automatically get a new awesome episode of Shiny Healthy You in your little podcast app every single week. Also, if you haven't been to my website yet, go and check it out. It's at julesgalloway.com and it's chock full of health information and yummy recipes along with a couple of awesome free gifts. One is a whole food recipe book and the other is a little guide to healing your adrenals. It's perfect if you're tired, busy or run down please join me next week for another frank and fearless chat. Until then, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. 
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts. Damo, do you want the first and only certified organic bone broth in Australia? Do you want a broth with no hidden thickeners, yeast, extract, salt, or flavor enhancers? MP, I want a broth made by hand from start to finish with nothing but love and positive vibes. Well, that's why you're left with only one broth, Damo, and that is Broth of Life. Ho, ho, ho. Choose from dehydrated bone broth in chicken, beef, and lamb. You'll also find FODMAP-friendly stock. That's FODMAP-friendly stock, veggie stock, and chicken salt, all available at brothoflife.com.au and a special for Wellness Couch listeners enter the code wellnesscouch2016 at the checkout before November 30 for 10% off your order so awesome the code again is wellnesscouch2016 only at brothoflife.com.au